You're listening to the International Continent Society podcast. ICS is the leading international multidisciplinary organization for medical professionals working in the field of incontinence. ICS provides the latest scientific and clinical updates to professionals in the field. Uh, so, um, can I just say, firstly, can I welcome you all to this ICS uh, podcast? Um, I'm Lauren Stewart. I'm the elected um, scientific chair for ICS, uh, and I'm a consultant urologist working in Edinburgh in Scotland, UK. Um, I have with me uh, two great colleagues. I've got Edwin Wagg, who is uh, Professor of uh, um, Medicine of the Elderly in University of Alberta, and I've also got Kathleen Hunter, who's Professor of Nursing in the University of Alberta. Um, in this episode, which we want to do, we want to discuss or actually look at exploring the scientific program of the ICS annual meeting 2022 in Vienna. Um, can I just say, firstly, it's such a great relief to have a back face-to-face meeting. You will have the opportunity to go and actually find people who present to you and ask them those difficult questions they can't avoid, which they can, of course, online. It's also an online meeting as well, which uh, this hybrid bit uh, really fits all, all needs. So um, first, I just want to say that we have in this meeting three excellent SOAs. Um, we also then have 24 uh, workshops, six of which are hands-on. We've got 28 presented poster and video sessions and nine round tables. It's a, a mammoth undertaking. Uh, and we wanted to talk about those. So. Um, Kathleen, let's start with you. What are the sort of top two or three of these that you've looked at and you'd recommend to uh, people coming to the meeting? Well, thanks, Lawrence. So my top picks lie in the conservative area of of treatment. And that's certainly the time I spent in our meeting looking at all of those abstracts. So I really have the delight for chairing one of our best conservative uh, sessions. We have two going on. Mm. And the session I'm going to uh, chair is the best conservative management, too. We have two prize winners in the prize winning uh, abstracts in this in this category. Um, The first one is number 285. And it's the design and content validity of the running and related activities, urinary incontinence symptoms questionnaire, Whew, a Delphi survey. <laughs> but I think what really caught uh, my eye and, and the eye of the people that I was reviewing with at our, at our decision-making session was that um, this was a really uh, far-reaching Delphi survey. Uh, it was confined to North America, But the panel was composed of clinicians and academics and women who are experiencing incontinence when running, Mm. which I think is an important subject to address because, you know, if people have incontinence, they're going to stop doing activities. And we don't want them to do that. We, We want them to stay as healthy as possible. So it's a new instrument. It's gone through its content validity through the Delphi process. And now we'll be uh, moving out into further uh, investigations. And it's really a tool that's going to be designed to look at the effectiveness of interventions. So it should stimulate some interesting work coming up. 
The second uh, abstract that is going to uh, have a, or is a prize winner in this category, and it's the best in category for anatomy and biomechanics, and that's abstract 287. I thought this was a pretty unique study. It's on pelvic floor activation patterns during pregnancy and postpartum in gestational diabetes. And what they found in this uh, long-term study goes from pregnancy, right, 18 to 18 to 24 months postpartum, is that there is a difference. And women who have gestational diabetes take longer to return to their baseline levels of pelvic floor function. So this is so intriguing to me, and I think it's going to have implications and raise questions about how do we address that? in our healthcare systems. If we know that there's uh, special populations that should be receiving additional care. So a couple of the conservative um, uh, papers that I think are are really important. So um, my other picks are around the round tables and the workshops. Mm. So, so, so uh, I picked out uh a couple of the roundtables, but I think the one I want to talk about is the one that's looking at addressing continence to keep people with living demand, living with dementia at home. Now, this is an important subject for all of us in, that are involved in continence. We know we encounter many people who have concurrent uh, urinary tract, uh, also uh, fecal uh, incontinence issues. Uh, who have dementia. And with the projections, with the number of us that are going to be living with dementia as we get older and the population demographics, I think it's an important question about how do we address this? How do we anticipate it? How do we support family members who are trying to keep their their loved ones uh, in a home setting instead of, instead of institutionalizing them. So it's going to be exciting. We have Joan Ostoskowicz, who is really one of our preeminent nurse researchers who will be chairing this, and an inter- interdisciplinary uh, group of speakers who will uh, be addressing the topic. So uh, that one's exciting. Uh, my last choice is a workshop, and I picked out from this Um, I would be remiss not to uh, promote, you know, as the nurse member, uh, the nursing workshop. And the nursing uh, committee this year has uh, identified uh, that they're going to address self-management incontinence care. And many people living with continence issues, it it can be a long-term issue, it can be a chronic issue. And we know that self-management of chronic issues that we live with is really becoming so important in the healthcare literature. So I I think that will be very interesting. And I hope people other than nurses will come to this this workshop. Well, I think, isn't that the beauty of our organization, is this Mm cross-fertilization and the the ability to dip into things that you wouldn't normally dip into? Mm -hmm. And I I agree with you entirely, but I think it's good that we don't just get enmeshed in our own little silo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Adrian, you, you've, you've presumably looked at uh, some other bits and pieces in the program. Um, uh, yes, um, like Kathleen, I'm uh, chairing the uh, elderly session, so obviously I'll give a vote for that. But I think um, we're increasingly recognising that um, at least a third, if not more, of our patients are 
older adults and we need to think about data relevant to to them uh, and certainly there's a couple of uh, abstracts in this session that i'm uh, chairing looking at the outcomes of mid-urethral sling in medically complex or, or older women uh, and uh, on a bottle toxin use for overactive bladder in uh, people over the age of 80 generating useful data i think for uh, for the general surgeons and uh, again i think highlighting kathleen's point that just because you're a urogynecologist that sees people who are 56 you occasionally see older adults and you probably need to go to the gerontology session to get additional insights mm -hmm. um i think the highlight in our center uh, given the uh, in our, sorry in our session given the controversy around uh, anti-muscarinic treatment and the association mm -hmm. of an incident dementia diagnosis of two or three great papers really shedding additional light on that and adding to the conflicting data um, certainly the best in category prize uh, from my colleague Bl Blaine Welk uh, over in uh, Western Canada looking at uh, uh, the uh, effect of um, anti-muscarinic use in um, those uh, with a dementia diagnosis and showing no no impact. So uh, mm -hmm. really worthwhile looking at that method mm -hmm. uh, and significance. Right. Uh, Andrew, again, Oh, I was Sorry. just going to say, Adrian, I agree. I think that's really important topic. As you and I know in our clinic, this is a question that often comes up, uh, both from family members, people themselves, yeah. and, and the people that refer to our clinic. So important. important. And of course, lots of expressed opinion without any knowledge of the data. Yes. Often, yes. You know, fighting the cause of older adults who end up with no treatment because people reflexly stop mm. these medications without mm. really thinking about the impact. And on the mesh, it's interesting. Who, who could forget uh, Roger Domokoski a few years back being, being actually torn apart by this smart litigation lawyer? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's uh, it's very hot and it's very interesting. It is interesting, isn't it, that the uh, how the political and emotive view uh, has mm -hmm. become enmeshed in, in, in data and good outcome where, uh, unfortunately, perhaps, mm -hmm over-enthusiasm and inadequate counselling has left us in the place, certainly in the UK, where you are, uh, Lawrence, that uh, yeah. uh, we can no longer get that treatment. Presumably mm -hmm. now get nothing um, because autologous things are probably not as available to certainly to older women. I suppose the argument is that we're going back to the position where we are uh, not over-treating. So I think there was a, certainly a, a spell mm -hmm. where we over-treated. I mean, everybody who had a dribble and probably didn't, maybe one part a day would have done them if that were getting operations that they were, probably didn't need to have. And certainly, you're right, in the, in the national audits, we, we found that 40% of women ended up with operations with no conservative therapies, mm. which brings us again to, I think, Kathleen's point about, you know, we should all know about the various means for self-management. We will you know, put out this idea that 80% of people can be managed in primary care or by themselves, but actually neglect uh, that part of our role in uh, helping uh, people to manage themselves. I think yeah. um, uh, uh, the workshop Kathleen mentioned will be excellent for, for many, many people. Mm -hmm. um, my, my voting workshops, actually, given the, the, the proliferation of therapies for, uh, for BPE, um, the male LUT therapies technologies uh, workshop, I think you know, we can now steam, fricassee, crepe, uh, you, you name it. Uh, prostate with variable results. And I think it behoves all of us to keep abreast of the technological developments mm -hmm. in, in that area. Um, as uh, in terms of other abstracts, I think we've got a huge variety. Uh, and once again, uh, I think you, both you and Kathleen said, go to everything you possibly can. Mm -hmm. You think about scientific rigor. Um, it, this is 
the multi-professional society in a multi-etiological and multi-interventional uh, condition. So we need to know more than just our own little silo. Mm -hmm. Um, abstracts cover well, cutting edge gene therapy right through to uh, the care of um, medically complex, vulnerable older adults in, in residential homes. It were innovative ways of delivering high quality continence care. Uh, so uh, I, I just looking through this and being at the scientific me committee meeting, the variety and, and quality once again is stupendous. And for yeah. first time attendees, meeting the people who actually write the papers that you have to read as part of your research or your professional development is great because you can question them uh, or really just shake their hand uh, providing you use hand sanitizer of course <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think i agree i think it's uh it's the strength of our organization and our meeting very definitely i couldn't help but be struck by one of the uh, hands-on workshops i mean a hands-on workshop on transanal irrigation um, I think they're probably looking for a volunteer for that one, if anybody out there wishes to do so. Uh, um, I have to make a point that I think this year we, we, we've got three excellent SOAs, uh, which cover a great breadth. And we've talked about the Delphi process and not everybody will know what that is. Mm -hmm. And how do we know anything? What's our starting point? How do we determine what's truth and what's not? How do we do any meaningful statistics? And, and Steiner um, is going to Heinrich Steiner Huskins going to give us that information, and I think that's going to be an excellent session for everybody. And then we've got the devastated bladder from Chris Chapel, and we've got the rejuvenated bladder from Laurie, Laurie Berger, and, and they're also backed up by longer workshops, uh, which mm -hmm. I think is also an unusual thing for us to have done, but I think very, very useful. Mm -hmm. They Few other things I picked up on, of course, that they're surgical. We, we all tend to migrate towards our, our own our own area. Uh, and one there, one's a video, the prize-winning video, which was about um, obstetric devastated cloacal defect. And rather than most of the videos we have, which are almost video games taken down laparoscopes, this is real surgery and difficult surgery, and it looks awful at the beginning and really very acceptable at the end. And I think that's a, that's a great reminder of what surgery is trying to achieve. The other paper I liked a lot, it was a pediatric paper. And again, COVID hasn't done us a lot of favors, but the, the ability to look at how delays affect surgery, I think was very useful. This was looking at children with PUJ obstruction who had more than three months delay. And the worry is how long of a delay actually causes significant trouble. And the upshot was in these 46 children who were looked at with renograms and assessed renal function, that as long as they didn't wait more than six months, it seems unlikely you're doing any harm. And I think that's a useful message to know, which has been given to us by the delay, delay in COVID. So that, I think that's all very, very useful. So any, any other comments before we maybe close off? Right. Well, I guess, uh, you know, as usual, uh, I will be having a very difficult time making choices. You know, one mm. wishes you could go to the conference and you could hear everything. So, um, but, you know, you have opportunities to meet people afterwards, do the networking uh, that our conference really is premier in terms of allowing us to, the interaction. So, so yes, looking forward to it greatly. Yeah, likewise, I, I, to be back in person again uh, oh. presents huge opportunities in terms mm -hmm. of networking and bouncing off ideas uh, and meeting peers, juniors, 
doing a bit of mentoring, getting advice mm -hmm. from other people, uh, unrivaled opportunity, really. Yep. And you say, I never code an ICS meeting and don't learn something useful and learn mm -hmm. something new that I thought I already knew, but I didn't. <laughs> so it's a, yes. it's, a, it's a fabulous opportunity. So can I just say thank you, Adrian. Thank you, Kathleen, for your time. Um, for those of you listening, thank you for putting up with us for the last 15 minutes or whatever period of time. It's great to have you. Please do come along to our meeting, uh, Vienna, September 7th to the 10th, and see for yourself just how great it is. Have that opportunity, as you say, to go and eyeball the person who wrote the paper. Make up your own mind where you think they're actually genuine or good or otherwise, and ask them the question. Don't go away until you get your questions answered. Um, so uh, thank you very much. Yeah. You use your time and your money wisely. Um, if you want to, you can log back on and watch this again. And there are other ICS uh, broadcasts you can log into as well. So thank you and look forward to seeing you in Vienna in September. Thank yes, you. See you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>